Ho, 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 and Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays. Is your boy Tweet, aka Cena Claus, getting ready one week away from the big return? Peace. The team that makes the first big mistake, I think, is, will be the turning point in this match. Morton and Gibson have been frustrating these guys time Uh-oh. after time, but that. Cornette just pulled the foot, and now as he waddles back into the ring. He's, oh, the top rope doesn't break. Welcome, friends and family, to, I guess, the pilot episode, or at least the first episode of 1004 plus one more. Um, It's a wrestling podcast made by fans. Not necessarily for fans, but just a space where we could talk about everything that's going on in wrestling, past, present, and future. Um, I don't want to call myself a host because the people I have with me on this, I feel, are more like my tag team partners. We all liken ourselves to, like, the Midnight Express, the Varsity Club. So, I'm Tone, as you guys are familiar with me across GSU, Dirty Ninja, uh, um unsupervised adults but today i'm flanked with my boys my brothers tweet what's going on fam hey what's going on good brother how are you Doing fantastic i'm very excited and looking forward um like you said to us to us taking our chat you know kind of you know live so to speak no fathers to hear and then to his side i have my actual biological brother andy mar what's going on andy Yo, yo, what's up? Everybody buckle up, because it's going to be one hell of a ride. Let's go. <laughs> He's already cutting promos. That's crazy. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I was, hold on. I wasn't the one that cut the first promo this morning. <laughs> that would I be me, the guilty one. Yo, yes. and, and, and so for all of y'all that have no clue of what we're talking about, it's probably the intro of this actual podcast when it goes up. Tweet was up early this morning, feeling happy about his man soon to be coming back, right? Fruit, exactly. Fruit. One, you know, six days, six days away from greatness. A, a oh, fantastic man. way to end the, the fabulous year of 2022, which I, <laughs> I imagine we'll talk about later. But uh, yeah. 22, I think, has been a good year uh, with uh, you know with Triple H taking over uh, or, um, as far as creative. Tweet, you getting your fruity pebbles for your boy? You buy? I, I may, I may, I, I may have to. I already have the holiday Cena sweater, belt and toe. <laughs> I just can't wait. I'm just hoping, um, you know, we can probably talk about the outcome that we're all hoping for. But whatever, whatever happens in that outcome, I just hope um, it puts Cena in a title picture, you know, in 2023. It's not just like a job or something like that. So, fans, for all of y'all that are listening, obviously, as we said, this is a wrestling-based podcast. And the reason it is that way is because the three of us have been lifelong fans. We got kind of different origin stories, and we're going to tap on that first, but just out of curiosity so you know the audience kind of kind of gets a um gets a baseline how many years have you guys been fans like andy i'll start with you how many years do you think because i know your story a little bit better than tweets how long do you think have you been a fan uh doggone i i was doing the math uh yesterday at work about 38 years 37 years over 35 years at least so you then, know, from from WrestleMania three at least. So so then yeah. so then, what's your first wrestling memory? WrestleMania three, I okay. would say. You know, 
90,000 at the Pontiac Silverdome. That, that's the first thing I can remember. Also, you know, and, and, and we all know this, my birthday was always around WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. So a lot of my parties in my earlier youth were staged around WrestleMania in my basement. Right. We have people over and, you know, that that's where it really started. Right, right, right. So, so with WrestleMania three, you remember seeing it live, or you, like that's like the first tape that you watched? I, I think that was the first tape that I watched. I don't, I don't remember. If, I don't think we got it live. I think WrestleMania four was live, the first time. Mm-hmm. But you know, I, I think I saw saw it on tape or tape delay. I forget. Okay. You know that that's almost forty years ago. Right. And so, Tweet, how about you? What? How long have you been a fan? What is your first wrestling memory? Uh, mathematically, I would say it would have to be 38 years. Um, I think we all, we all uh, all different ages. But primarily with me, it was WrestleMania 1. Um, but prior to WrestleMania 1, what got me into wrestling, and <laughs> believe it or not, happened to be Mr. T. Yeah, um, okay. I was a big fan of the A-Team. I was a big fan of, you know, everything he pretty much done that, up until that time. He was like the first, uh, you know, I'll, I'll say it, black superheroes, quote unquote, so to, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And then next thing you know, I'm seeing him on his Saturday morning programming, um, you know, talk about, you know, a match and the whole thing with Rowdy Piper. Mm-hmm. And from car- instead of watching cartoons, I would, you know, began to start watching wrestling. And I could never stay up to watch Saturday night's main event. Uh, my mother wouldn't let me stay up, you know, that late. And we tried, you know, back in the day, we had a VCR, try to have such a time to tape it. You know, that was that was a challenge in itself, and it would never tape. Right. Um, so what eventually happened is uh, how I ended up seeing WrestleMania 1, uh, um, we had a neighbor who actually owned a video store, and I would just sit in there and, like, wait for, the, for it to become available. So I'd never seen it live, or I didn't see it. Um, I got the results. I think the only results they actually announced on the news was, um, you know, the Hulk Hogan and Mr. T winning. Um, I think that was only because Mr. T was participating in it. Yeah. Um, but from there, I will be that guy. Uh, it was probably 30 days, probably a month to two months later, I was actually able to see WrestleMania 1 after it happened. And from there, I became hooked. Um, and then I would go back to all the video stores and get all the Coliseum home videos, as many as I could yeah. to kind of watch yeah. it. And yeah. then um, that's, how I, that's how I ended up discovering, you know, um, then not just call team home video, but you know, we'd go to like I think back in the day it was Kmart or you know some of the other stores and they would just have like wrestling VHS tapes. And I didn't care whether it was, you know, WWF at the time or you know, whether it was um AWA or what have you, I just seen wrestling and you know, the tapes were like around like five to ten dollars a pop and my mother would just buy them for me. And that's how I became familiar with some of the other territories and some of the other wrestlers outside of quote unquote WWF. So I hope that answer wasn't too long winded. No, 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 it's perfect. I think it's, I think it's funny that because like my origin story is very similar to like you guys, right? Um, Mine starts off with WWF too. So uh, me being like a year older than WrestleMania, um, I don't really remember the early ones live. uh, But one of my first memories is WrestleMania five, because I think that was the first Mm -hmm. one that we taped at the crib. Like, so, you know, we ordered mm-hmm. it again, Andy's birthday yeah. around um around WrestleMania. So that's the first one that we had. And that would be the one that I would play over and over again. And then we also had another tape, Andy. I don't know if you remember, it was an episode of um wrestling at MSG. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
Yeah, so we had it. We had it to just like we did with the WrestleManias. And yeah. So me and Andy from WrestleMania five all the way wow. on, we would tape every single pay per view that we yep. had. Yep. So I wow. laugh at you. I, yeah, I laugh when you say the Coliseum home videos because I know what you. We were calling. We were Coliseum home videos. At least when it came. <laughs> at least when it came to WWF, right? So yes. Whenever right. you would go to Blockbuster on a Friday night and want to get a tape. Like no, I couldn't weave through everything because I probably tone, already tone. had it. Yeah, tone. It wasn't blockbuster. It was arcade. It was video. early. Well, it, it was, was arcade, West Coast video. It was no RKO, arcade. It was RKO first. It was because RKO it was right down. We used yeah. to walk down to RKO. Yeah. And go check out the tapes. We yeah. didn't mess with blockbuster because we had to have someone drive us. But RKO because it was down a little further to walk. We I apologize. Walk. You're absolutely right. So it would start with RKO. But we would have all those tapes already because we watched it live. So, you know, my first memory is WrestleMania five, and it's funny that we all are connected to WWF. But that's not our favorite eras, right? Because I know in the chats we've been bouncing all over the place. So, <laughs> thinking about where you guys have come from and and, and all the wrestling that you've seen, Andy thirty eight years, Tweet you thirty eight years, me probably now thirty five or whatever the case may be. What is your favorite era of professional wrestling? And when I say professional, when I say era, I mean like the, the promotion and the time span. Tweet, we'll start with you. Um, that's that's kind of a, uh, I thought about that. And actually, I thought it'd be a more challenging question, well, difficult question than it actually was, because immediately that popped into my head is they always talk about the Monday Night Wars, you know, with WCW and, um, you know, with, you know, Nitro and Raw. But I tend to think, uh, from the period, I would say, from 87 to 90, when it was NWA versus WWF at the time, um, starting with the original Clash of Champions, because that was held, I'll never forget it, at the same day to WrestleMania 4, if I'm not mistaken, um, because yeah. we had WrestleMania yeah. 4 on pay-per-view going downstairs in our living room, and my mother had a VCR in her bedroom, and she let me tape Clash of Champions. And that's obviously, if I'm not mistaken, that was Sting and Ric Flair um, going to time limit, and that's kind of like put Sting over earlier on. I think they went uh, maybe a draw, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it was, it was um, a time limit draw. Yeah, and and from I think from that point, it made me really tune in, you know, back and forth to both. And I think what we've seen from that period of '87 to '90 was real competition, where you know you 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 pretty much was making a decision on what you were watching. Um, you know, not everybody was fortunate enough to have, you know, multiple VCRs, multiple TVs in the house or what have you. But you were kind of tuned in to, you know, both by any means necessary, <laughs> whether you bought a tape <laughs> from like a, to, from like a, a classmate at school. Now, with me, I had classmates who shared the same passion as far as um, with wrestling. So I would say from that period from 87 and 90, because that really made people question who was better. You know, you always look at world champions. It was Ric Flair Hogan. And you figure um, Steamboat um, at that time made that jump from WWF to NWA and gave, you know, he was the one who defeated Ric Flair at Chi-Town Rumble. And that was like, uh, you're, you're looking like, wow. Um, but you always knew, I mean, I don't want to speak for, you know, everyone that watched both, but you always knew if you wanted to see the better wrestling product, it was NWA. <laughs> better matches, uh, more of... Um, your traditional uh, technical matches. If you wanted to see your larger than life characters, which, you know, that was WWF for me. And, you know, 
I was a fan of both. So, you know, so I so think that whole era. At that age, you didn't sorry. lean towards one way or another. You weren't like a little bit more of a fan of NWA than you were WWF or a little bit I, more of a fan of WWF. I can, I can honestly say uh, I, I did not lean towards either or. I, I watched them both um, loyal. Um, loyal. Um, and I think at the time, that's when we first started getting cable. So I was able to get TBS, the Superstation. Okay. So I was able to watch a lot of those TV tapings, um, you know, the ones that are very similar to how NXT is set up now with, um, you know, 100 people on, inside of a TV studio. Um, and they had some of the greatest matches, you, you know, you would ever want to see. NWA always put together, to me, better matches for television for your Saturday morning. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the characters were larger than life in, in WWF. So I didn't have one favor over the other, honestly, back then. I was just a fan of what they both brought to the table. So I'm going to throw a monkey wrench into all of this because I think probably the thread that's going to be through this entire discussion and for most people is the love for the larger promotions, right? The WWS, the WCWs or whatever. I think my favorite era of wrestling was probably early thousands TNA. Okay. Mm. Wow. And, the, and, and the reason I say that is because when you get to the early thousands, right, WCW's gone, ECW's mm-hmm. pretty much gone, right. WWE has kind of taken over. Um, TNA was a really solid alternative in style of wrestling. And then that's when you had your Samoa Joes, you had your Whoa. AJ Styles. So the vibe was totally different in the action gave you that independent, almost like ECW-ish right. kind of feel where you kind of blurred mm-hmm. the lines of... Because that's one thing I said to all my friends when I showed them Samoa Joe first. I was like, yo, I don't care what anybody else is doing. He's hitting. Yeah. He's hitting, mm-hmm. motherfuckers. Like, hard. <laughs> and and, and, and yeah. Impact, Impact back then had the six-sided ring. It was different. It was right. different. You yeah. know, and we were we were always at that time looking for, for new content. It was like... You know, and it still had its connection kind of to the NWA, right? So, yeah, you, know, mm-hmm. you think about right. you think about now where I really try to stress people like our truth needs to get more love than he does. He is legitimately the first black NWA champion in history because yeah. Ron Simmons was technically the WCW champion. They they split at that time. Right. Right. Our mm-hmm. truth had the original. 10, 10 pounds of gold. gold exactly so i like to throw that monkey wrench in there number one just to be a nerdy you know wrestling fan as we all like to do every now and then but for seriousness when it comes to entertainment and watching i think that was a really dope era for me because it revitalized my interest in wrestling it gave me another option it gave me something else to watch and it was like andy said something fresh something new kind of something different andy what was your era um i gotta say and it's funny you know, I watch it all the time. Like Tweet said, wrestling from about 87, 88 to right around maybe 92, 93. You know, before mm-hmm. that, before Bret Hart really took over, but definitely in the 80s, you know, I'm a big, I, I love tag team wrestling. You know, you mm-hmm. can talk, and we had this yeah. discussion all the time, whether it's on, it's the Hart Foundation. You know, but my favorite tag team, of course, everybody knows, is the Midnight Express. Stan and Bobby. Amen. Yeah. Stan and Bobby. Yes. 
you know yeah. that you know and even standing bobby versus the fantastic standing bobby versus mm-hmm. you know the rock and roll express and the funny thing is you had wwe in the morning so you you know mm-hmm. i remember getting up watching wrestling challenge in the morning on saturdays you know, on mm-hmm. saturdays yep. and and me and somebody else on this chat used to try to emulate what me. they were doing <laughs> and, and don't try this at home huh don't yeah, but we called it brother bonding time. We called though. it brother bonding yeah. time, and boy, did we bond. Yeah. Um, more so, more so to a fact, and, and a quick story. As we got older in this process, we had a brother bonding session. I must have been twenty what tone, 20, uh, 21, 22? Yeah, you were like you were like twenty two, twenty three. I was like eighteen, nineteen, something like that. Something like that. Where we're having a brother bonding session. I don't know what. We, it could happen out of nowhere, and we're in our room doing what we do, and our grandmother comes in, yeah, and she's ready to light us up like a Christmas tree. <laughs> she just comes <laughs> right out the bathroom. What y'all doing? Stop fighting! <laughs> before I want both of y'all. We we were we were Andy was probably at his full stature as a young adult, and I was getting there, and we're looking at our small grandmother going. And, and you, I, you know what you write, yo. <laughs> you write, yo. And you got to remember. Let me ask you guys a question. Go ahead. Yeah. I'm sorry. No, and that, and you got to remember, at that time, I was playing college football, so you know, <laughs> you know, I'm. Who's I'm, she really gonna be? Like, right, exactly. <laughs> it's like I'm looking at my brother; he's looking at me, you know. And Tony's 18, so he's growing up, and I'm, I'm a, you know, I don't want to call 22. myself stout 22, you know. And this is the the age kind of when tough and, you know, my my friends in college and my roommates. And I don't know if you know this. They wanted me to try out for the first Tough Enough. Mm-hmm. They they wanted me to try out. I was like, nah, man. Because at that point, you you know what it takes to be a wrestler. And, and yeah, that really road are, schedule was still well. Forget the road days a year and forget the road schedule. I wasn't falling from four feet on my back because they <laughs> say mm-hmm. parallel to the ground, you have four feet. And that, you know, when you watch enough wrestling, you're like, oh, I'm, I'm not taking those bumps. I wasn't taking a bump. So I'm like, I'm good. I'm good. I'm not, I'm not going down that road. So, you know. If you could do it all over again, would you have changed that? I, 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 I would have probably gotten a little more weight and I would have been a, a referee or somebody if I, I had to get in the program, you know, or I had to get mm-hmm. in the business. I'm not taking bumps. You know, playing, right. I, I guess me playing football, I've taken enough bumps mm-hmm. to understand right. that I, you know, it, it takes a certain person to play football, like to get hit. And at right. that time, you know, coming off of three knee surgeries and stuff like that, I was good. But mm-hmm. I think with me, it, I, I probably would have done the same route as Andy. I probably would have, if I would have thought it was a viable profession, like an option and stuff like that. Um I probably would have done the manager yeah. uh, referee route. Um, you know, there's only but so many Ray Mysterios in this world. Right. And I don't, <laughs> I don't think I would be that kind of agile to be in the ring taking those bumps right. all the time. But to be a manager, to be a, 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 akin to a Teddy Long or right. um, or having the, the uh, verbiage of like a Jim Cornette or just being a referee would have probably been the route I would have gone. Right. But tweet i don't think you would have had an option other than be a wrestler right exactly <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. pretty much based upon my size and <laughs> at the time athleticism yeah. um looking back uh if wrestling realistically uh was a viable option <laughs> i probably would have gave it a shot um after you know probably in the middle while i was yeah. playing basketball afterwards um 
But you'd again, the, I mean, it's you, you'd have been the black me, Mark Callis, man. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and, and it's funny because I look at um, Umas now, and uh, he has you know the basketball background, uh, and I'm just like, and I think I, when I saw him at the Wells Fargo Center, excuse me, for um, I think it was a Monday Night Raw, one of the pay per views, whatever I was at, and uh, we were side by side, and we pretty much looked each other in the, in the eye. So yeah. that's just, you know, just give you an idea, you know, of how, you know, his size and everything. Um, but, yeah, if it was as lucrative back then as it is now, it, was, it would have been definitely something I would have considered. And that's Tweet, what I think is – go ahead. Tweet, when I saw you on, on in the front row, you, you eye to eye a lot of those cats. So this is what I was going to say. I think Tweet is a real interesting gauge when it comes to these larger-than-life figures, right? So for all of us, they all seem huge, but – but tweets about what six ten six eleven, yeah, about six ten yeah. and a half. About six right. 11. So, so when those huge, larger than life guys actually are standing next to him, they're either really larger than life, or he definitely makes question of how big is this cat really, yo. So it's it's funny because I've seen the Undertaker, Kane, um, and I was bigger. Than, I was bigger than both of them. Um, Umas is probably the only one who probably like again like I got a I pretty much got a chance to size them up and we're we're pretty much almost like looking in the mirror as far as size, but uh, everyone else I've seen a lot bigger than like I was kind of shocked even Bobby Lashley while Biggie looks on TV he's um, you know next to me he's very, like I don't want to say he's small but I mean when I say I should say short in stature. Yeah. Well, no, but, um, and, and and that kind of jumped out to me with him standing next to Brock because right? I don't I don't I don't think we ever really had seen them really interact right. too much because they were all kind of not in WWE at the same time because Bobby next mm-hmm. to everybody else I mean Bobby's more defined he's cut like that's right. clear so he right. looks big next to everybody else but then when you put him next to like a Braun or a Brock he's small. By right, comparison, exactly. because yes. he's not a legitimately small guy. No, by comparison no. to the other cats, yeah. Br- Bron's a big, Bron is big, thick. If we if we want to use a football term, he's right. thick. Right, with the tribes right. and all that. So, yeah. um, because we're all into like different eras, uh, and we used to tape, watch tapes and stuff like that. Let's kind of jump into how the network kind of changed how we consume all of this product, right? I think it was a blessing to me. The first time I heard there was going to be a WWE network with everything on it and it was only going to be $9.99, I knew I was getting it straight out the bat. Um, But for you guys and whoever wants to kind of jump in first, how did the network kind of affect how you watch wrestling? Well, I knew if Tone got it, I was getting it. It was going to be communal. Yeah, <laughs> it's going to be communal free ninety nine, and then you can go back and watch all the old stuff. You know, as as I got older, I started moving on. You know, moving, having a family. I didn't have this, all this space for all these video cassettes and DVDs and and all this. So the network pretty much gave me the opportunity to watch like the old JCPs or the world-class or the AWA or the old WCWs that you may have forgotten about at on, on demand. So I can watch mm-hmm. it at when I wake up at six in the morning or I go to, before I go to bed, you know, notoriously known, I'm known to put on a, a pay-per-view before I go to sleep and just let it ride. Yeah. You know, I'm, you know, and you, and you just remember it. 
So it gives you an opportunity to consume it at, at your leisure, you know, and you can just sit down and watch it like I'm doing right now. So then that's what I was going to ask you. What made you throw on WrestleMania 15 this morning? Because that seems wild random. So literally when I, when I turned on the Peacock, mm-hmm. I scrolled down. It was right there. I was like, oh, <laughs> let's turn it on. <laughs> I've been there, yo. It just happens to pop up and you go, you know what? Yeah, yo, I haven't seen that. And, and, and I realized, I was like, oh, I stopped it before the Hell in a Cell match. And I'm like, oh, yeah, this was some bad TV. You, <laughs> like, you realize sometimes you're like, oh, no. No, why? Why? <laughs> Tweet, how did that work? Blue Meanie and Gold Dust, dude. Oh, yeah, that's <laughs> Tweet, how has the network kind of affected how you you watch wrestling? Well, well, to get it originally, it was, it, you know, just same with you guys. It was a no-brainer. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm almost offended. Um, I have a friend who claims he loves wrestling. And one time he asked me for my network password. And I'm thinking to myself, <laughs> like, you're not a real fan. You know, go sit down somewhere. <laughs> yeah. um, I would say um, probably the best thing um, that about having a network and how it impacts the way I watch it is um, like Andy was saying, you can um, go back and watch stuff uh, as a reminder, or or you can watch stuff that you've never seen. Um, and just uh, for example, uh, just recently with uh, the War Games pay per view that happened, you know, amongst us, it created a lot of discussion about you know the origin of War Games and you know what happened with this faction, that faction, what happened, and it made me go back and watch old um, TV tapings. Um, of, of around the war games time um, and then it led to me watching Starcade um, 85 that we kind of talked about yeah, so yeah. I think with that library um, if you're a true wrestling fan um, it gives you the opportunity to really explore anything you want it's almost like you know a kid in a candy store um, and one thing I was worried about um, it's not for me to worry about as a fan but I was worried about I said you have this network and you put these premium events on this network would that affect the live attendance Nope. Like, will it still will it still be worth like going to you know like recently I went to Extreme Rules? Would it be even worth it going to like a live you know premium event? Um, and it looks like it it, it hasn't <laughs> had no negative effect on it because you still can't beat it live. Listen, but, um, as far as uh, I'm sorry, right? No, go ahead, tweet. I'll let you finish. No, I was ready. Yeah, I was ready to say just overall you can't beat it for its value. And I'm kind of shocked he, he still charges nine ninety nine for it. To be honest with you. Um, but you know what? I can appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, uh, fact, well, so that was that was the reason that it was a no-brainer to get Peacock yeah. for me because um, I was already paying nine ninety nine for the network, but now for nine ninety nine you get so much more. And I'm right. I, I'm a huge fan of The Office, and so once they took The Office off of Netflix and put it on Peacock, the two things that I watch probably the most I'm getting for ten dollars a month without yeah. commercials. You could pay five if you didn't mind sitting through a commercial or two. So, them. I learned that lesson. Yeah, you, yeah it's a good, you're welcome. <laughs> you're welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Just spend the extra five. Just spend the extra five. Right. It's not that big of a But 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 you brought up a really dope um, point that I, I guess I want to get your all of your um, vibes on because we've all attended live. We've attended you know indie mm-hmm. events. We've attended pay per views. We've attended house shows and TV tapings. Um, I think I would agree with you where you say you can't necessarily beat it live. You know, just the feeling and the energy of being in a space um, and being mm-hmm. around like minds and people with interest. 
But I will also argue, man, honestly, from a viewing standpoint, at least with WWE, it's always mm-hmm. better to watch it on TV because they they, mm-hmm. they shoot for TV, they perform for TV. Like, right. would you guys agree or, or no? Double okay. WWE has become a, a TV product. Right. You know, you know, I we've all we've all been to a house show. I remember, to, you know, I'm the only one that's not been on on WWE TV. You know, or in the <laughs> me, me and Tweet are both on the network. You can find yes, us. Yes, yes, <laughs> both of you are. I'm the cat in the, in the cheap seats are getting squished, you know, at the end oh, of the game. Hey, tweet, hey, it was, it was, tweet, tweet, <laughs> tweet uh, I, I was squished when I went to the Raw WrestleMania, after WrestleMania yeah. on my birthday, so don't yeah, worry. with me. With, with, just, all right. so, okay, I don't feel so bad now. No, no. <laughs> But at the end of the day, you know, the way WWE is set up is is for a TV product, you know, and, and really the first time that opened up my eyes was when we all went to WrestleMania. I was going to say the same thing. And whose entrance? Because I think we're going to say the same thing. Whose entrance really blew it for you? Undertaker. Yo. Like, like to see the Undertaker live in all that pomp and circumstance is trash, bro, because you see how they make the sausage and it's not as dope no. as when <laughs> you see it on TV. Very true. You know, you, you see like all those like at that point we're in, we're in live so you can see him do all the set changes and this and that, you know, and stuff we wouldn't see if we were on TV. We watched, you know, the reels or whatever. Yeah. So you see the true transformation of the, pro- the product, even, even when so like Go home if you're listening to this and put on like WrestleMania 15, 14. I, I was saying there's no Jumbotron. There's no nothing. There's a little sign. You know, there's a sign, WrestleMania 15. People are walking out from behind the sign going to the ring. Now yeah. it's now yeah. it's this big production. Yeah. Right. It takes two days. Yeah. You know, you look at it over time. Yeah. But I think that, I mean, that, that makes sense, right? So going back to um, what Tweet was saying, with his comparison of, you know, NWA versus um, WWF in the 80s, Vince was always about the pomp and circumstance and the, and, and really right. the presentation, right? So while there was that era, especially of the attitude area, when you look back on it, it seems very slimmed down. It seems very like, you know, nothing. It, it almost seems grungy. Um, it almost makes sense that we get to this point in time because that was the purpose of WrestleMania, right? WrestleMania was about, you know, actors and actresses coming in mm-hmm. and, and, and musicians yeah. and being a part of it and making it a rock star thing. That's where, that's where I struggle <laughs> to make it with. Main, to make it mainstream. Yeah. Exactly. That's where I struggle with, like, you know, um, some indie fans and stuff like that where they argue, like, uh, I don't like all that. But I'm like, that's what it's always been when it comes to the WWF product. It, it started with WrestleMania one, yeah. you know, that whole rock and wrestling thing, and then you you saw it, you know, as as the WCW came about and Ted Turner got involved away from JCP, you know, they started bringing in, you know, celebrities. It was to get eyes, and and even any sport, we can talk about, you know, any any sport, they really try to get the marginal fans. You know, yeah. to come in. 
Well, that's because why you it, have a Logan Paul. That's why you have a bad right. money. And that's why I don't understand why people get fully upset or even a Miz, right? It makes sense because you had a, um, uh, a Mr. T. You had, uh, what's Shorty's name? The, um, the rock star that was with um, Wendy, Blue Alabama. Um, um, we had Alice Cooper, Alice Cooper. Alice Cooper. No, no, you had Cooper, Cindy Lauper, played by Cindy Becky Lauper. Lynch and Young Rock. Yeah. Right. So it was it was always going to be a part of it. But how do y'all pockets feel now that you're only paying nine ninety nine versus sixty five a pay per view? Well, my my pockets feel good because I ain't paying the nine. You ain't paying nothing anyway. <laughs> but but it, it <laughs> but it works out hand in hand because I might not be paying the nine ninety five, but somebody else ain't paying the the eleven dollars for Netflix. That that well, but I still don't use yours. I use. My wife's well. parents, but that's neither here nor there. Well, but um, you used to use mine, so. Oh yes, oh for sure, for sure. Um, so us going through this whole journey and stuff, right? And we've watched a lot, and uh, again, WWE seems kind of like a common thread of our origins. Um, well, it would be mo- because we're all from the northeast. We're all from the northeast, um, right. but from from a, a television standpoint, those Monday Night Wars. Um, what was it like when you guys saw Shane on Nitro, Dwayne? I mean, three. Um, I, for me, it was a, it was kind of a long time coming because there was there was always little chatter. Mm-hmm. Um, I was in Germany when that invasion, um, quote unquote, invasion happened. I was just um, finishing up a basketball season, so when I actually got home, that's when the full invasion actually happened. But when Shane showed up, I always you know, unfortunately now, um, every <laughs> the spoilers all over the place. Even back then, at that time, there's spoilers all over the place. So we, we knew it was going to happen. But I will say about that invasion, and here's, here's my biggest problem. Um, I, it should have been a, a good thing for a true wrestling fan, but I think it turned into a train wreck. Um, it was an opportunity for the stars that, um, that pretty much held WCW, you know, kept it afloat to some degree. Obviously, they, they you know, the product diminished. But the Goldbergs, the Scott Steiners, um, you, you kind of wanted to see them. You wanted to see your dream matchups. Mm-hmm. But you kind of really didn't see that. What, what eventually you saw once you got those dream matchups were kind of like, you know, squash deals. Um, the ones that come to mind is immediately Scott Steiner, you know, um, Sting and well, Sting. Yeah, yeah, Goldberg, when he came through, it was kind of like, okay, you, you're matching with Brock Lesnar. Do you really want to see that at that time? Uh, you know, um, you wanted to see Goldberg and Stone Cold, which we never got, you know, no one's gotten this chance to see. Um, and even, you know, with Sting delaying his arrival, and by the time he arrived, you know, he was obviously, you know, up there in age and not performing to, you know, to the level that he's accustomed to. So I think we kind of, kind of, it looked, it, it almost seemed like the acquisition was mean, meant to, not just to put him out of business, but to kind of, um, demoralized that roster. Show the you know, superiority, was, right? Exactly. And it, and it was at the expense of the talent. So I was well, I was very, you know, the, the, the angle, fine. Um, the angle really didn't work. We kind of know that. You know, once Stone Cold jumped to the other side and they started doing all this stuff, playing around with it. But it was, it, it, it just, it was, it was, as a fan, it was, it was just a bad time to me. Um, nothing wrong with the acquisition. I had no problem with the acquisition. You know, more shows, more, it should be, you know, more shows and, you know, more talent, more opportunity, you know, for guys on the roster, guys and girls on the roster. 
But the way they did it, it, it just looked like it was just a, a grab to kind of to demoralize, you know, the WCW roster. Was Goldberg more popular than Sting? I, I, uh, for I, that, for that run, for that, for that run he had, yes. Um, yeah. Sting overall is kind of was like the glue. But as far as popularity, Goldberg, when he had his his uh, his, his run with the streak, I can tell you right now, he, he was. He was over like no one else. Well, remember um, that for that brief, that brief short amount of time. And also, that was the period where Sting was, you know, he wasn't on TV. Right. Like, remember, you got to remember Sting. You know, once they started that first thing over the NWO. Okay. You know, okay. he wasn't there. He was in the rafters. Yeah. Okay. Goldberg, so right. So then you bring that up. What was Sting's hottest period then? Because oh, I'd, I'd argue it would be Crow Sting. I, I, um, I would say way before that. That was. I'm sorry. I'll let you answer, Rand, uh, Andy. Uh, depends what you, you know. You no, nah, man. Just to... answer the question. What was Sting's hottest period in your opinion? I can't wait to hear your answer. <laughs> Dang. I I think I would say is is. I like Crow Sting. I like Sting, but I, I I would have to say the late the late eighties. There you go. Sting, the late eighties Sting when he was like a white meat baby face, and he yeah. was from Venice Beach, California, with blonde exactly. hair, the, the little and stingers and all that. The little on. stingers, you know, he was he was WCW's version of Hulk Hogan. Ah, exactly. See, see he, so that's then it's the whole Venice Beach, the blonde hair thing. Exactly. So that's, um, where I would, that's where I would argue that's not his hottest period, his most popular period, because he was a knockoff. When you say it like that, well, well, it, I mean, I'm sorry. It, I, go ahead. Uh, knockoffs, but knockoffs can work. Look at Demolition. <laughs> so with, with Sting, and look at the Ultimate Warrior. You know, uh, so with, with Sting, you know, with him beating Ric Flair, I mean, that was his dance partner. You know, he had great matches with Ric Flair. Ric Flair obviously had great matches with everyone. But that was probably one of, other than, Steve, other than when Steamboat came in there, won the belt for a couple of months. That was like, he had more, Sting had more success against Ric Flair than Dusty Rhodes. And Dusty Rhodes was supposed to be the guy to pretty much take the mantle from Ric Flair. Then they, they wanted to be Magnum TA. Then unfortunately, he had that car accident. So Sting, when he came in, I think that was his hottest. They got him, if I'm not mistaken, correct me if I'm wrong, Andy. They got him from UWF. Yeah. Uh, that's when they, of, they had the whole yeah, him and Warrior, they right? had the whole thing when they when Crockett no, Promotions he, brought UWF. Oh, right. That was the first black champion right there, Savannah Jack. But that's a conversation <laughs> for another day. Um, but well, um, well, we all know, we all know, uh, and I was watching if if you watch Tales from the Territory, how much Cow, Cowboy did trust and trust African-Americans with his business. He had Ernie Ladd mm-hmm. as a booker. You know, he had mm-hmm. JYD as a superstar. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, if you look at the entire, and I think that was after because I think they, they broke up in Mid-South and Warrior went maybe to world class, you mm-hmm. know, and, and he was the Dingo Warrior, which turned into right. now the ultimate warrior. But, you know, I, I want to hear Tony Tone's take because you know and i remember listen i was in college from 97 to 2000 so it was must see tv and i had two of my roommates were were big wrestling fans so you know eight o'clock we're flipping back and forth you know Mm -hmm. raw so nitro raw nitro raw nitro and then to see 
Shane take it over. It was it was almost like I it's I wouldn't want to call it anticlimactic, but it was just like mm-hmm. now what? You so because you had that, and then you had ECW there, you know, floating around. Yeah. In November, you know, so you had different, you know, different styles, and it was different styles of wrestling. Go ahead, so, Tom. Yeah, so uh, I would say that Sting's most popular point is Crow Sting, and the only reason mm-hmm. I say that is because he still uses that gimmick to this day. That's what most people identify with him as, and there's nothing wrong with that because you also got to think about the time frame, right? Crow Sting was when WCW was its hottest. That was those those 83 weeks, right? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So not saying that I prefer you know what I'm saying, Crow's thing. I just think that's what most people identify with him as because that's the gimmick he's ran through from that time on. Even when he was in TNA and he switched up and did the Joker's thing, he still was with the white face paint and the black eyes. Um, But with the Nitro thing, it it was almost surreal. So one thing me and Andy always used to do is we would watch both. We would watch mm-hmm. Nitro and we would watch Raw. And I'd be on, 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 on the phone with my homeboy Touch and we would just be flipping back and forth, right? Literally, mm-hmm. last channel would be TNT USA. And they were, what, like two channels apart, Andy? Something like, like that. 38, 38 and th- 37. And 40 maybe. or something like that. Yeah, something like yeah. that. So um, hearing all the buzz at that time, right? And you got to remember 97, like there really wasn't a big internet buzz. Like you, they, there was, but it wasn't like the way dirt sheets and, and um, websites are now. So you heard the rumblings that, you know, something was going to happen, that, you know, things were going to happen. And then to see, I feel like to see Shane wasn't as big as seeing Vince to me. Yeah. Like to see Vince on TNT almost felt surreal. Then to see Shane, it made it feel like, oh, there's going to be a story behind this. I can't wait to see what's next. Right. Right? Mm -hmm. So the anticipation of the following week. But it almost felt like you know how the movies are when like you know a foreign a foreign enemy takes over the airwaves yeah and now like you have to all bunker in and stuff like that like the mandarin from like yeah like, uh iron man 3 like just shows up yeah like, <laughs> that was that was really how it felt for me it almost was because we, I knew nothing else. Prior to that, there was always a second option, and WCW was a hot option up until when it wasn't. And ECW being in the Northeast was a thing. Um, and Tweet, I actually want to ask you that because I don't think I ever got your perspective being from Philly. Mm-hmm. Was the love for ECW the way it's like perceived in history? Because it seems like Philly mm-hmm. loved, like, was all ECW. It, it is. Um, that was the just, just, that's that's pretty accurate. Just everything from just the arena itself <laughs> before you even get to the promotion. Mm-hmm. Um, it, Philadelphia identifies with ECW almost like um, just say this is ours. Yeah, you know this is, ECW is, is ours. You know, yeah. um, even, even though ECW obviously, um, you know, had you know shows all over the country, but White Philadelphia, mm-hmm. yeah, Philadelphia identifies with ECW as this is ours. <laughs> That's yeah. that, and um, I think one of the things I don't know too much of what happened as far as their demise. I think I would imagine, um, you know, it could have been a lot of things, 
But one of the things I would just say is um, they I, they will always be known for being something different. And I think Philadelphia fans, wrestling fans, always want – I think Philadelphia sports fans in general yeah. always wants to believe they have something that no no other place has. Well, so tweet. with ECW – I'm sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. Finish your statement because I got a question so, for you. Okay. So with ECW, it was like an extension of that. This is ours. No one else has it. So the love for ECW in Philadelphia is real. <laughs> but but I, I would ask, Tweet, does that come from the Philly, you know, and you talked about the sports, the, the Philly mindset. You know, you had the Philadelphia Flyers, a.k.a. the Broad Street Bullies. Right. You know, they were, they were you know, they, they beat you up on the ice. You had the Eagles, who literally the fans threw snowballs at right. Santa Claus, you know, that – you know, so that intensity out of, out of out of Philly fans, you know, in that I guess that quote unquote hardcore or extreme type passion, you know, did it come out in the wrestling? Is that you know? Because I, I, it, I think it, that's very could accurate. EC, could ECW have worked in, let's say, you know, if they had it at the Roseland Ballroom, would it have been as big? as it was, if not because of that edge that Philly fans and Philly sports had? Uh, I think um, that's where it comes from. Um, I think they could have been successful uh, other places, but I think for them to, to pretty much establish their, their foundation would have to be a city like Philadelphia. Philadelphia always wants to be known as, um, for like the examples you gave, gave of being quote-unquote tougher, than other cities. And when I say tougher, it's not just, um, I'm not talking just physically and all that other nonsense. I'm talking more so, you know, the blue collar, the hard worker, you know, we do everything, you know, we don't take the easy route. We, you know, we're different, we're tough. So with ECW was an extension of people's mindset in Philadelphia. We're extreme. Yeah, you wanna, you know, you wanna do a bunch of hurricane, hurricane rounders and suplexes, you know, that's fine too, but we'll throw you through a table. We'll light you on fire. We're throwing, we're, we're slamming you to some barbed wire. We're tough. We fight. So well, it's kind of, um, so I, I think to answer your question, I think that that's, you know, that's the basis and the foundation for ECW's success. Well, but then again, to, to your point about their passion as well, and I think that's why a lot of independents, you know, they kind of blow up out of Philly first, right? So ECW, of course, and then you have Ring of Honor right behind it. And then I'll mention, you know, AEW now because um, I went, to, like, one of their first Dynamite shows was in mm-hmm. Philly, was at Temple, and I went. Right. And I told Andy and I told my homeboy Touch too, it, 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 and I don't know the vibe now since the pandemic because I haven't gone to an ECW, I mean, an AEW event, but mm-hmm. the vibe in that building was was astonishing because that fan base desires an alternative i think to your point tweet like they want that to be different they 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 thrive on that and so just the crowd like i honestly i can't really remember the matches i was a part of that were that were there that night but i remember Mm -hmm. the buzz in the building to the point of dude trying to fight somebody else in the same row that mm-hmm. we were in like so <laughs> but that, that that does sound that's, like philly that's but philly I, philly's passionate have, but but have you I, guys I, both I, had the opportunity to attend a, a, an event at the 20 at the ecw arena no i have 
I've I've attended. <laughs> I think I've done two or three. I got a chance to see. They still, have, it, hardcore they still have. They still have indie shows there. Yeah, yeah. yeah um, tons of, um, Matt Cardona and it comes back to look at geographically where Philly is. All right, it's between what New York. It's, it's the it's the beginning of the South. No, but you got you got. You got New York, York to the yeah. You got New York and DC, so two big cities, and then there's Philadelphia. <laughs> you know, right. it's, so I always, you know, though the, they had the chip on their shoulder. They want, they want that, you know, like you say, that blue collar, hardworking type deal. I remember, you know, when the Eagles played the Giants in the playoffs, the Giants didn't sell any tickets in Central or Southern Jersey because they didn't want Eagle fans there. You know, right. so, it, you know, it's always this big brother, little brother type deal, I guess you would say. 2300 mm-hmm. Arena is sketchy as hell. It just is. The, just the area <laughs> it around is. it. I'm not going to lie to you. The first time I pulled up to it, I was super excited. I was like, oh, I'm going to the ECW Arena. You pull up and the and the parking is right underneath like an <laughs> overpass. Cause I was like, yo, yeah. this is how this is how cats get robbed over here. Yep. <laughs> and what is it? Tony Luke's is literally right around the corner, oh, like yep. ten Look, steps away. Yeah, let's not start that conversation because that's a whole nother. We can have a podcast <laughs> on. Well, oh yeah, we we keep it. We keep, we're not gonna have a cheesesteak conversation. We're not gonna do that. <laughs> just just make just make sure Wawa puts puts the cheesesteak on your on your oh, okay. yeah, when you order. Yeah, oh, next menu. We'll, we'll we'll get it right. We'll figure it out next menu. Well, I'm gonna. Well, uh, as far as like you brought up about the ECW success, as far as uh, I think it goes for WWE, NWA, because I still don't think, and y'all correct me if I'm wrong, I still don't think WWE still has that dire, you know, that diehard fan base in the southern t- areas like Atlanta, North Carolina. I think they still struggle with that. They kind of skip when they go to Florida. But right. it goes to this, it goes to this, and it goes to, I think, who the WWE is versus who the NWA was. Right. You know, the WWE, and, and you could say it's reality-based, whatever, it's still larger-than-life characters. Right. You know, where... Well, no, even just in the style, right? So right, the style right. of WWE has always been the pose, has been the you know, let the crowd kind of like wait, right. wait things out. Even even when you have conversations about Hulk Hogan's style in the late eighties, mm-hmm. nineties when he was here versus how he was wrestling over in Japan, right? Some right. people that mm-hmm. are not right. familiar with Japanese Hulk Hogan would be surprised right. to see him do a drop kick. Would right. be surprised right. to see him do a drop toe hold, right? Right. Mm-hmm. But but you know, and and even if you you talk about and and I heard Jim Ross talk about this. You know, he he couldn't when he was in WWE couldn't bring up you know like let's take Ron Simmons. Ron Simmons is a All American at at Florida State, and when he was in WCW, when you Jim Ross that. was calling his matches, you heard it all the time. You know, talked about his background in at Syracuse, but then you go to the WWE and they weren't allowed to talk about the, yeah your character. Things. Your yeah. character, yeah. you were this character, you know, right. where, you know, down south, and, and maybe that that's why JCP, you know, was so big, you know, and the NWA mm-hmm. was so big because it was ri- like, who was it? All right, I mean, we had this conversation, you know, about Ric Flair, 
Like, let's, right. let's start there. When was he not Ric Flair? When was he not Ric Flair? You know, <laughs> when was Dusty Rhodes not the American dream? Dusty Rhodes is, right. a, you know, a son of a plumber. You know, those guys, that's who they were, you know? They, they, they weren't, and we say nowadays, you know, the characters at WWE, you know, will take The Rock. The Rock, gave, you know, turned up the volume on who he was. Did these guys really turn up the volume? I'm watching Ole Anderson right now do, cutting a promo. Mm-hmm. He's just sitting talking. You know, the, the, the JCPs and, and uh, Georgia Championship Wrestling and, you know, they were really reality-based. There was not a lot of characters. Who are the characters? If right. I had to say it, who are the characters that were over in, let's say, a JCP in the 80s? Nikita Koles? I was going to say the Russians with Nikita. Um, yeah, son, those listen, and we talking about kayfabe right now, right? And as yeah. a fan, and all these conversations are coming from a fan's perspective, right? None of us are going to sit here and act like we're in the know and higher no. than anybody else. But no. from a fan's perspective, when you get to kind of peek behind the curtain and you know that Nikita Koloff was not necessarily from Russia. Yeah, that was a terrible accent, cuz. Let's be honest. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> oh, <laughs> <laughs> that was like, that was the man who really stole the title for me four years ago. And I'm and I'm one of those fools that honestly thought in Starcade '86 he was gonna beat Flair. <laughs> what was I thinking as a kid? Well, but you, but that's to Andy's point, right? You know, it, it felt more realistic at that time, and I mean, it's. From a fan's perspective, it's 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 still cool. The product is just different, and you kind of know what right. things are now. But that believability then made the interest in it a little bit, you know, higher because you were you thought like anybody could win. He might win. It was a real right. fight, and the way they built people up with storylines. But you claim to be the man of a thousand holes, but I counted, and you know about sixty. But I know a thousand and four, and I wrote them all down. Here we go. Hold one, arm drag. Hold two, arm bar. Hold three, the moss-covered, three-handled family gradunzel. Why does he just mail us this list and we'll announce it? Arm bar. He's just ranting. Number five, the Saskatchewan spinning nerve hold. This must be meathead microphone night. You think so? He's got 998 to go. Get the hook. We're out of here. Shut up. Good haircut. Number 10, right Hey, it's Tony. Thanks for checking us out. We really appreciate it. We'll be back with the other half of our convo. Shout out to Andy Marr and to Tweet. Please check out the other content on Collective Vision Network. We have Princess Prayer Warriors, Girl Take Your Meds, JD and B, Are You Serious, as well as Good For You. CVN, we got you. Thank you.